0: Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Have a little laughter in church. I don't know where you can have it. So here's here's what I noticed during, during some of that. Some of you are dead asleep right now, <laughs> and you need to wake up. Hey, we're glad that you're here And we're thankful that you chose to spend part of your Sunday here with us at Generations Church. And if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Jeremy. This is my lovely wife, Corey. And uh, and honestly, for us, uh, it feels good to be back home. We were traveling this week. It was winter break. We were out last week. Uh, just helping serve another church uh, and, and try to bless their pastor in, in a season where they just needed some, some relief for a week, and so I appreciate you allowing us to do that, and our trustees, and our staff, and our elders just for kind of filling in the gaps for us. Pastor Trevor preached a great message last week in our Committed series about friendship, and uh, last week was Valentine's Day, and so the plan was for us to speak on marriage last week for Valentine's Day, uh, but we we just swapped a week, and so today, uh, just kind of put yourself in that mindset as if it were Valentine's Day so that we can talk about marriage because we believe that marriage is a gift. It's a gift like Valentine's. And so if you're not married, we're not just going to kind of talk over you today. We're going to talk to everybody in the room. But if you are married, I think we're specifically speaking to you on some specific things today,
1: but it's a gift. I don't know what you got for Valentine's Day, but I have to take a minute and tell you that last week I was standing at the top of the stairs and I heard this crazy noise downstairs. And I was like, what in the world? So I yelled down, Jeremy, what is the noise downstairs? It sounded like something was broken. He didn't answer. So I finally come to like the, the like banister and lean over. And I'm not kidding when I tell you there was a vacuum that was doing it by itself. It was one of those robot vacuum cleaners. Jeremy had gotten me for Valentine's Day. Yeah, I was I so excited. So I walked downstairs and I was like, Are you kidding me? Is this what you got me? And he said, I hope it's not an offensive gift. And I said, offensive? Oh my gosh, I never have to vacuum again. It's the hottest gift I've ever received. <laughs> So I hope you got a really hot gift for Valentine's Day. Well,
0: let me say two things. One, it was on sale. I think a, we have the wrong steep, chairs. Steep. I think I, we I got did. your I'm chairs. I'm a little low, I'm but like, it's okay, I'll fix chair. it. But the, the other thing is, I, it was on sale, so I felt like it was a great gift. The second thing is, all my life I had heard, like, if you get your wife, like, a vacuum cleaner or a toaster or something like that for a birthday or anniversary or whatever, like, you're the worst husband ever. So I kind of felt like it was, but she she really liked it, so I was thankful. Man, it does it
1: by itself, Yeah, though. I was
0: thankful for that. But uh, yeah, so today we're talking about this idea of marriage. And before we jump in, let me just say something, Pastor Trevor referenced just a few minutes ago, uh, but we're talking in March with an event of couple to couple. And so if you are engaged or you are married, we want you to be a part of couple to couple. It's one of our favorite events all year long, uh, but it it does a couple things. One, it gives us the opportunity to really talk about marriage and talk about being a couple uh, in the context of just healthy conversation, because here's what we know. We know that a lot of couples, whether they're married or they're about to be married or they used to be married, but they're trying to reconcile and make it work. Uh, we know that there are a lot of issues. There's a lot of strain. There's a lot of things in culture and in relationships in general that make it difficult to kind of figure out how to do life and navigate life together. And so sometimes what we've learned in, in, in meeting with couples and talking to couples for, for now a long time, a number of years, that there are there are times when you're at home crying or really wrestling through issues. And so what we try to do is take those issues and put them into a context where you don't have to cry about them. You can laugh about the fact that everybody in your group is is going through a lot of the same stuff. Because here's what we believe from 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. It talks about temptation, but really it recognizes the commonality of temptation and the commonality of struggle. Uh, the person sitting beside you or the married couple sitting beside you may not be having the same issue or walking through the same issue that you're walking through right now, but somebody in your group probably is or probably has because there is commonality in struggle. There's commonality in victory and success. And so what we want to do is put it in a context with relationship, conversation. And so it starts March the 7th and it runs Easter. Each Sunday night in March, the cost is only 10 bucks. We would love for you to be a part of Couple to Couple. So all you gotta do is go to g.church, click on the events tab and register for Couple to Couple because we really believe it could be the best thing you do all year long to invest in your relationship. So Corey and I have known each other for a long time. Um, Some of you know our story, some of you don't. So we're gonna kind of start today like nobody knows our story. So here's a picture of our family now, present day. So Cooper is 16, Branson is 14, Tucker right here will be 12 in May, and Little Miss Kinley is nine, and she runs the show. And uh, so this is our, our crew, but this is how it's going right now. Here's how it started. So Corey and I, this is a grainy picture because technology wasn't quite as good. Uh, this was when Corey and I were 15. Uh, We don't have a picture from when we were 13, but we met when we were 13. The story that I tell, at least in my mind, it's true. Maybe it's a little bit exaggerative, I guess. But she was walking this way on a sidewalk. I was walking this way on a sidewalk. And then after she passed me, I turned around and I'm now walking this way on a sidewalk. And I pretty much just been chasing after her ever since. And so when our kids saw this, they were like, how is it in color? They think we were born when it was black and white. Um, (laughs) It's
1: barely color though. We're
0: not quite that old, but technology has definitely improved. I think We had to like, I don't know, send that off for three weeks to get it developed or something. Uh, But no, so we've known each other for uh, really, honestly, like most of our lives now. Uh, and, and, And I love that part of our story, but I also recognize that that's probably not your story. I recognize that some of you, uh, you, you, you met and you were engaged and got married in just a short period of time. And so even if you're you're in that part of the early stages of your relationship, maybe you're still learning one another and figuring things out. Some of you, you've been married a long time, longer than, than maybe we've been alive. And we want to talk to you and kind of figure out your, your, your success stories and the things that you, you've walked through. But we also recognize that in every relationship, there are, again, those common things. And so today we want to talk about in this commitment series, committed series we want to talk about this idea of being committed to marriage. And when we talk about being committed to marriage, we, we, we recognize that not everybody in the room is married. Some of you, you're single. Some of you, you want to be married. Some of you, maybe someday, but you just don't know like what's in the cards for you. So that might not even be something you're pursuing. I think today is relevant for you. Others of you, you've been married and maybe you're, you're now married for a second time or maybe even beyond that. Or maybe you're single now, but you used to be married. So you've walked through some brokenness and hurts and pains. Again, I think today will speak to that for you as well. But when we talk about marriage, we always go to a, a, a really uh, famous passage of scripture. It's read at a lot of weddings. It's, it's talked about in a lot of uh, premarital counseling sessions and even postmarital counseling sessions. It's Ephesians chapter five. This is the apostle Paul speaking here. And he's talking to uh, this, this church in Ephesus and he's helping them to understand a lot of things in this book of Ephesians, this letter about practical living. But here in Ephesians chapter five, he, he jumps into about 11 verses where he's talking to husbands and wives, and again, so if you've heard this, if you've read this, if you know this, I'm gonna ask you just for a few minutes to kind of put this out of your mind for a second and let's read it as if it's the very first time you've heard it or read it so that we can dive into it in, in maybe a fresh way, in a new way. So this is what it says in Ephesians chapter five, beginning in verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. And in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, where we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband." Now, when you read that passage of Scripture, again, perhaps when you've heard that passage of Scripture before, the thing that gets the headlines is that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands and that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So then you get into these ideas of submission. What does it mean to submit? And does that mean he's better than me? Or he thinks he's better than me? And you start to get into some of the arguments that you just heard like the, on the comedian there. And, and so you start talking about what submission looks like. And then when husbands are challenged to love their wives as Christ loved the church, it's like, well, what does that look like? Like, what does that kind of love really look like. I mean, Christ gave himself up. He, he literally died on the earth for the church. And so what am I supposed to Am I supposed to give up all my preferences and all my rights and I'm supposed to give up every, she gets her way all the time and I never get my way. And, and so when, we, when you start to think about the headline statements of that passage of scripture, sometimes we lose the simplicity of this truth of what's being asked of us as husbands and wives. Because before you ever get to verse 22, as math would work, there is a verse 21. And this is what it says in verse 21, before what we just read. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So before you even get to wives submit to your husbands and before you get to husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, you get this basic level Christianity that says if you are reverent to Christ, if you are in pursuit of a relationship with Christ, then all of us are called and commanded to submit to one another.
1: Yeah, submission, I think as a wife, you hear it sometimes and you cringe a little bit and think, does that mean I just become this like, yes, yes, sir, all the time to everything that's ever told. And then to the guy, I love your wife as Christ loved the church and Christ died for us. So what does that look like in our lives? And it gets a little sticky. I think the word submission here is really, is really a, a neat uh, usage because if you read the end, actually submission works in the same way as respect. And really, submission is just a reflection of our heart for God and our commitment to Him. If you think of the word submission, when you're in school, you submit a paper. You are turning that paper over to the teacher. Really, we're saying, you have my heart, my whole heart forever. And when you think about that in relationship to God, you say, God, you have my whole heart Forever, And so when we think about this in relationship of husband and wife, and we say we're submitted to our husband, really your submission or lack thereof really speaks to the submittive nature of your heart to Christ. And so it causes all of us as women to look at our own lives and say, is my heart um, and my submission to my spouse a reflection of my heart for God? Am I submitted to God? Am I saying, God, you have my whole heart? heart and then when we look at husbands love your wife as christ loved the church what we're really saying is god do i love you with everything that i am because if you love the lord then you recognize that he loves you and you have so much more love to give and not only are we talking husband and wife at the beginning of this scripture it says submit yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so we're not just saying, wives, you should be submitted to your husband, and husbands, you should love your wife, but really it's, it's, a, it's an entire submission of our heart for God to everyone we meet. And so it really is saying, how can we serve you? How can we be submitted to you so that you better understand who God is in the world and in our lives?
0: Yeah, and I think so often what happens is like Corey was saying, like we view submission as less than. We view it that, oh, now we're posturing ourselves in a way that like they're better than us or we think that they're ahead of us or we're trying to make, I think it's actually something totally different. I think if you would change the word, she, she changed it from what the last verse said, submission and, and respect perhaps. Maybe if you change the word submission to service. The idea being that if, if you and I were gonna leave the front of this room at the same time to get to that back door, I'm going to beat you to that back door for two reasons. One, I'm very athletic, okay? I'm very fast. Uh, I want to beat you. I'm competitive. But the second reason is I think what we need to model for one another is I want to get there to hold the door open for you. I want to try to get to that place to serve you in some way. And in marriage, I think the idea is that we would be fighting to outserve one another, not fighting because we're mad at one another, not fighting to try to get the other one to our side or the argument or try to win the argument, but kind of honestly trying to outserve one another, to outsubmit one another, to, to do whatever we can for the other person to try to say, hey, I, I wanna serve you in a way that reflects my heart for the Lord. I, you're a gift from God to me, and so I wanna honor that gift by serving you, by submitting to you, by loving you, by respecting you in a way that honors God and honors you as a gift to my life. And so today, if you would say, well, I'm not married, maybe maybe you're single and maybe you desire to be married or maybe, again, you've walked through a season where, where you were married and there were brokenness and hurt and divorce and pain in some way, whether you were the offending party or the offended party or it was some type of mutual split for a lot of different reasons. Here, here's what I would say to you, and, and this is a challenge for all of us, but it, just speaking to singles in the room or, or those previously married, like maybe you search your heart and as much as it depends on you, are you the kind of person that can submit? Are you the kind of person that can serve someone else well? Are you the kind of person, again, maybe maybe your marriage ended because of something the other person did and you weren't responsible at all, but even as you evaluate yourself, maybe for a future relationship or maybe just as you continue to live in singleness in this season of life, you go, God, is there anything in me that I need to search my heart and determine, like, could I be better at this? Could I be more submitted in my life to other people around me that then when I walk into a marriage, I walk into a relationship that I could take that type of heart for submission and service is, and be a better spouse. Or maybe even if I'm never gonna get remarried, I could just be a better friend. I could be a better daughter or husband or father or mother or grandmother or grandfather or coworker or, or somebody that attends church with these people because I want to serve and submit and love and respect well because out of reverence for Christ, that's what I'm called to do So often what we make submission is we make it transactional, right? Even if we don't use those specific words, you say, well, I would submit to him if, if he was you know, worthy of it, or if he treated me well, or if he was kinder to me, or I would love her if she'd love me back. I'd love her if she would give me my way more, or she would, do, and, and we make it this transaction, but, but submission is about moving first. Submission can't be transactional. Submission has to be sacrificial. You have to go first. You have to say, I submit to you, I love you, I respect you in advance of whatever you may do for me, in advance of how you may respond to me. I am moving first. I am initiating submission. I'm initiating service. I'm initiating love. I'm initiating respect because it comes out of a heart that I have for Jesus Christ. And in doing so, I hope that you see me embodying the love of Jesus Christ. And then you respond. It is not transactional. It's sacrificial. I will do this because this is what Christ asks of me. And that's really where we draw the example. We draw it from the example of Jesus Christ. Look at this. This is in John chapter 13. This is Jesus speaking here in verse 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one Another. Now this is red words in my Bible, which means Jesus is talking here. So he's giving us this new command, a new command I give to you that you love one another. And he says that people would know that we're his disciples by how we love other people well, maybe this isn't true of you, so I'll indict me. There are times when it's, I, I'm, it's easier for me to love people outside of my house than to love people inside of my house. It's easier for me to love people I don't even know and serve people I don't even know well and submit to others I don't even know. Then sometimes it is for me to do that within the confines of my own house. But I think if we put all this together, Jesus is saying to Jeremy, he's saying to me, as I have loved you, so you must love Corey. He's saying to Corey, Corey, as I have loved you, so you must love Jeremy. So here's how you could do that. You can fill in the blank. As I have loved you, Jesus says, so you must love, fill in the blank here with the name of your spouse if you're married. And if you're not married in the room, you say, well, I'm not married. How does this relate to me? Well, then take it into any relationship that you have or take it in advance of the marriage that you desire and go, am I the kind of person that can love someone else in the way that Jesus Christ has loved me? Well, how did he love you? He gave himself up for you. He, he forgave you in advance of you asking for forgiveness. He sacrificed himself in, a, in advance of you actually desiring it or, or, or knowing that you needed it or knowing that you needed to ask for it or doing anything to earn it. He went first. He initiated love even when it might not be reciprocated. And so am I the kind of person prior to getting married married, or maybe after getting married and getting hurt, am I the kind of person that can love? Can I love well in the way that Jesus has commanded us to love? And if not, what does that say about my pursuit or my reverence of Christ? He says, they'll know that you're my disciples. They'll know that you're my follower in the way that you love someone else. And so am I someone that can do that? Well, let's go back to Ephesians chapter five. What we read just a minute ago is we read that huge chunk of text in Ephesians 5 And at the very end, it says this in verse 32. It says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. This is a profound mystery. You want to talk about a mystery? The mystery is how do two become one? That that goes against all the math I ever learned in all of my life. How do two become one? It is a mystery. And the reality is your marriage is complicated because you're complicated. Yeah. Our marriage is complicated because I'm complicated. Like yesterday we had a conversation. I didn't even tell you I was gonna say this, but yesterday we had a conversation and it was a conversation where I was complicating things, right? (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and it got complicated, and she literally said, I just didn't know it was going to get so complicated. Well, you know why it got complicated? Because I was involved, and I'm complicated. No. And your marriage is complicated because you're complicated, and your future marriage will be complicated because you're complicated. Now is the time, if you are single, to work on you as much as possible so you walk into marriage in the healthiest possible state yeah. you possibly can be so that when you present yourself in front of the the minister and friends and family or the justice of the peace or the cruise ship director or whoever it is, you say, hey, I'm the best version of me I can possibly be. I've been in pursuit of God to the very best of my ability. I'm still not perfect, but he doesn't ask us for perfection. He only asks us for pursuit. And so I'm in pursuit of Jesus. And as I've been pursuing you, I want you to know that I'm still working on me, God's still working on me, but I give you the best version of me. And so this is a mystery It's Christ and the church. And so when we talk about Christ and the church, we're talking about this larger story of marriage.
1: Yeah. You know, your marriage tells a much larger story than you probably even realize that it tells. You know, each of us have our own individual story, right? If I was sitting with you at coffee, you could tell me about your past and, and all the things that happened there and into your future and what led you to today, Well, I have a story, and most of you, some of you may know it, but I was raised by a single mom. She raised three girls, all on her own. I've never met my biological father, and my adopted father uh, took his own life when I was 10 years old. But my mom did an incredible job at keeping us in church, and so I kind of fell in love with Jesus at like the age of 10, and he captured my heart in a way that I'll probably never be able to like articulate to you. Um, But he captured my heart, and in his great grace and sovereignty, there were couples in our church that demonstrated so well what it looked like to follow Christ, be in pursuit of him, and to love each other well. And so I began to watch couples in my church, and it became a prayer of mine to say, God, I don't know how that all happens and how you get that, but whatever that is is what I want one day. And so I would watch how my pastor's wife would love her husband and how he would serve her and I would watch my youth pastor and I would watch the people throughout our church that would come to our home and I would watch youth leaders and and just couples that would walk in and out because they didn't know it at the time but their marriage was telling a much larger story than they even realized and so is yours. Your marriage is telling the story to the world of Christ's love for humanity. Out of all of the ways that Jesus could have decided to choose how to show the world that he loved them, he chose marriage. And so it says, "Wives, submit to your husband because really Christ is submitted to the church. He loves the church. And he says, husbands, love your wife, says Christ loved the church and gave himself for it because Christ gave himself to the church and his life for us. And so your marriage tells the world just what that love looks like. And how much he actually gave and sacrificed for us. And I'm so thankful for the examples that that people lived in a way that allowed me to see what that could look like. And so for you, you may not realize it, but there is someone watching you there always is someone watching you. There may be a little girl watching upstairs as you serve in children's ministry or youth ministry or maybe as you open the front door who maybe doesn't have the same context of family that you have, but she sees you and she wants what you have. Or maybe there's a little boy who, who is striving for more in his life and he sees how you love your wife or how you serve the church or how hard you work. And he says, one day, God, I don't know how you get that but that's what I want because your marriage is telling a bigger story than you even realize and it's Christ's love for the church and Christ's love for the world and it is setting an example for the people that are coming behind you
0: you know not too long after that grainy picture up there there was a movie that came out and I'm about to ruin it for you if you haven't watched it that's your fault and um (laughs) the movie was the movie was sixth sense there's a story Haley Joel Osmond and Bruce Willis are in this movie and and from the beginning, you're trying to figure out the storyline and the plot and you get all the way to the end and this, this little boy has been saying, I see dead people, I see dead people. And again, I'm about to ruin it. So if you don't want it to be ruined, honestly, it's your fault, but you can cover up for a second. At the end, we realize that the entire movie, Bruce Willis has been dead. No one else in the movie has talked to him except this young boy. And so at the end of the movie, you actually recognize that there was a different story going on than what you thought the entire time that you were watching it. But well, what Corey just shared is that that's the same reality for your marriage. You think it's about what we're having for dinner. Yeah. You think it's about raising your kids. You think if you're single, it's about finding someone who makes you laugh and that you're attracted to and shares your values and figuring out how to do life together. That's what you think the story is. But according to Ephesians chapter five, you get to this passage of scripture and you actually recognize that there's a whole different story being told. There's an entirely different thing because there are other people who are watching what God has given to the earth as the picture of his son, Jesus Christ's love for you and for me. And in the current reality of our world, and it's always been true, but I've only been alive now. And in the current reality of the world, there are a ton of people walking around who are hurting and lost and they feel unlovable and they're trying to figure out how they make it through life. And God has demonstrated his love to those people and to me and to you. And one of the greatest ways that he's done that is through the incredible picture of husbands and wives. It's a totally different story than you thought it was. And so a few days ago, I was standing in a mall and I was standing next to a young lady Corey and I were there and we had other people there at the mall. i was standing next to a young lady that I've known all of her life, literally all of her life. She was born to a single mom. We've stayed close to this family. We're we're connected to her. We've invested in her. But but honestly, just from a distance and I was standing next to this this young girl and Corey said something to me as we're standing in a store. And she just says something, it's kind of offhanded and we both laughed. And this young girl looked at me and she said, wow. I want what you and Corey have. You see the full picture? A young girl raised by a single mom who didn't really know what marriage looked like other than the example that other people had set. Unintentionally so, perhaps. She's watched our marriage and she desires something. It's not perfect. It's complicated on some Saturdays, right? It's not perfect. But she says, that, that's what I want. And it doesn't just have to be people outside of your home. You saw the picture earlier of those four kids on that screen with us. Here's my hope and my prayer here at Generations Church, that that generation of our family, those three boys would grow up and they would try to find wives, not just that make them laugh, not just that they think are attractive, but they would find wives who exhibit a lot of the same characteristics of their mom just in their pursuit of the Lord and that they would try to grow together in pursuit of Jesus Christ so that they can tell my grandchildren the story of God's love for them and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-grandchildren. I want that little girl that you saw on the screen, I want her to marry someone who will buy her a robot vacuum cleaner. Amen. Right? (laughs) I mean, I don't know how it all works. At some point, like you won't even have to vacuum. Like dust will just disintegrate into the air. So I'm not sure how all that works when we're all riding around in holograms or something. But I want her to find someone that says, listen, I'm not perfect. I'm actually complicated. Our marriage is complicated because I'm complicated. I want her to find someone that just says, to the best of my ability, I'm in pursuit of Jesus and I'm in pursuit of you because I want us to tell a, a great love story. I'm gonna tell on us, okay? I'm gonna tell on me. We watch Hallmarks a lot. Okay. Hallmark movies. We do. We watch them a lot. And sometimes when people are watching romantic comedies and Hallmark movies and different things, whatever it is, they go, oh man, I I want that to be our story. And you kind of put yourself in that story. And Maybe you do it with other kinds of movies, obviously, but any kind of romantic comedy or Hallmark movie or whatever it is. And I know the storylines are all the same. I get it. But it's like, oh man, if I could find a guy like that, if I could find a girl like that, if that could be our story, man, our marriage is way more complicated than that relationship. And all of our stuff is way more complicated than that stuff. And I get it. And it's true. That's just pictures on a screen. But the reality is you actually get to play a part in a grander story. You, you get to role play. You get to tell the people in your life, whether they're in your home or outside of your home, the story of God's love for humanity. You get to tell that kind of story. And so my hope and my prayer is that you recognize that it's not the story you think it is, but that your marriage is a different story. So if you're single today, you're not just looking for somebody that makes you laugh and shares your values and that you find it. there's still some brokenness in us and there's still some mess in us. And what you just heard from Corey is that God redeems things. God makes all things new. And so even if you're in a marriage that seems unhealthy and even if you're in a marriage where there's brokenness and hurt and pain, God can use those things and he can redeem those things so that you have a story to tell to go, hey, it wasn't perfect. There was a bunch of mess, but God worked those things together to continue to tell his grand love story because he's a God of grace and a God of forgiveness and a God of mercy. So my hope and my prayer for all of us in the room, single, married, previously married, married again, whatever our context of life is, is that we would recognize that if we're committed to marriage, we're committed to something larger than ourselves. So here's, here's the question. There's actually two of them today. What story is your marriage telling? What story is your marriage telling to your kids and to your grandkids? What story is your marriage telling to those outside of your home, your nieces and nephews, and your 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 your, the kids on the ball team? And what story is your marriage telling to the to the kids at the school and the kids in the cul-de-sac? Like, what story is your marriage telling if you are married today? Because we have a responsibility to tell this great love story. And here's the second question, and this is kind of an all skate now: Am I committed to telling a better story? Am I committed to telling a better story? we're committed in pursuit of Jesus Christ am I committed to telling a better story with my life and my marriage and my relationships we talked in week one about being committed to God and in pursuit of him we talked last week about committed in friendship relationships. like am I committed to telling a better story in every facet of my life and perhaps today that's where it starts So we're gonna conclude our time. Corey's just gonna pray today over all of us and pray for marriages and pray that God would redeem hurts and pains and pray for those that are single, that God would give them the desires of their heart, but help them to work on themselves and really challenge themselves in pursuit of God. So I'm gonna ask you right where you're at, if you're watching online or you're in the room, just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment as we pray together today.
1: Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for marriage. I thank you for the picture of your love to humanity that we can experience on an earthly term here. I thank you for your great grace. I thank you that you have the ability to redeem all things. Things that we think are too broken, you have the ability to redeem. Things that we think are too far gone, you have the ability to restore. And so I pray that you and your great power would redeem all things back to the good, and that you would restore all things that have been lost. I pray for every marriage in this room that we would help tell the greatest love story ever told of your love for humanity and that the people that are in our lives would see the love of Jesus in the way that we live, in the way that we serve, in the way that we speak to each other. I pray for every single individual that you would bring to them in the right time in your timing, the person that you have in store for their life, that they can partner with. I pray for all hurts and pains in this room that you would heal the brokenness of our lives. I pray for the single parents in the room, Father, that you are enough. I pray that you would fill in all of the gaps and all of the void and that you would be enough in their life. I pray that for generations and generations and generations, that people a part of this church would be connected to people that fall in love with you because of the way that we live. We ask for all of these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day and God bless.